0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to welcome in any new listeners who are joining us for the first time. Those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the deal. We live and die by this team, just like all of you, and we make no excuses for that. The Red Sox are coming off a series win against the Minnesota Twins, taking two out of three, which is great for the midweek crew. We finally get a series win to talk about. Haven't had one yet. So we're finally in a good mood coming in here tonight. Joining me on the show from Denver, Colorado, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, is Andrew Duan. Andrew, how's it going?
1: Doing well. You know, a little morning baseball here on the uh, westish coast, Fe- finishing off two series wins in a row. Gotta keep it going. Um, while you're here, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And where can they find you on Twitter? That's going to be at Andrew Dwan MLB. Awesome.
0: And also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you?
2: Not too bad. Red Sox were, what were they, five out of seven on the homestand. So certainly better than I expected. Grab the standings right here. Still in last place with a record of 10 and 10. So right at 500, six and a half games back from the Tampa Bay Rays, who had a much better series this weekend. So just kind of grinding along. We're going to have a kind of a tough road trip coming up, but we'll get into that later on.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, we got some interesting matchups coming up. But uh, for now, we're going to focus on this week and this series against Minnesota on this midweek show, we like to do our five reasons why. So we're going to do the five reasons why the Red Sox came away with a series win against a tough AL Central team. So in the number five spot, Andrew, who do we got?
1: That'd be Kike Hernandez, who has suddenly caught fire. He went six for 13 this series, raising his batting average over 50 points. This is exactly what they needed. Uh, him getting going we've seen these kind of stretches from him before like that ridiculous 2021 playoff run which actually came on the back of one of the worst stretches of the season for him so he can get hot and cold but they really need him hot right now as a right-handed option you know in that lineup that just give it a lot more depth in the bottom third so he's looked really really good um obviously it coincided with him going back to the outfield now he's Seemingly back at second base, uh, while Arroyo works through some hamstring issues, but Kike's looked great, and honestly, his biggest hit this week at, or this week was a strikeout. Kept the game going in the tenth. Uh, hustled Christian Vasquez sleeper agent uh, couldn't handle the pitch, and <laughs>
2: it led to, the, led to the Red Sox victory. Terry. It's good to see him swinging a good bat again, you know, six for 13. Um, we're extremely anemic from the right side of the plate as I've harped on, uh, almost ad nauseum, uh, since the season started. So you kind of knew Kike would get back to his, you know, career averages, his normal baseline. And it's, it's nice to see that. And, uh, would like to see a little bit better defense, uh, you know, at short. He hasn't been terrible uh, in the last several games, but it, it has been a rough start overall for him. But, um, you know, he's a big part of the team. You know, he's he almost kind of wears the pants, if you will. You know, he's the biggest personality out there. Um, you know, got his purple hair dye, lavender poppy. But uh, it's nice to see him finally, uh, you know, swinging a good bat.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt for Kike a little bit because I I feel like he got saddled with this, uh, you know, being the team leader thing, which, you know, I I think that was a lot of uh, media-driven stuff there. And then he struggled out of the gate. Everyone naturally sort of said, oh, you know, big vocal leader here and he can't hit. Um, But he's figured it out, and that's huge for the Red Sox right now. You know, is it going to last with him? Probably not. He he does tend to be a little streaky. So I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, do this every series, but they needed him this series with, uh, with the injury to Arroyo too. You know, it's nice to see him hitting while being bounced around different positions, you know, shortstop, second base, center field, doesn't matter. You know, he, he's still getting it done. So very important series for him. It's nice to see him hit a ding or two. So he's got three homers on the year now, power starting to slowly come back. And once the weather warms up, he may even hit a few more. So definitely an encouraging series from Kike and, uh, Hopefully, he's starting to really get back on track. Uh, In the number four spot this week, Terry, who do we got?
2: That would be almost piggybacking off of Andrew's take. I've got, uh, excuse me, I got Reese McGuire uh, in that spot, who has really kind of been a spark plug offensively out of that catcher spot. The bases were loaded in the 10th inning of that first game. And he was able to kind of shoot the ball down the opposite field line uh, and left. And that easily played two runs. It brought the score uh, even at four to four. I don't believe there were any outs at that point in the inning. So things kind of kept rolling and uh, the Red Sox ended up walking it off. But Reese McGuire, despite his career numbers, which aren't, super spectacular, even right now. He's been a good contact hitter with the Red Sox. He hit well over 300 last year in a small sample size. Uh, we got him, I think, right around the trade deadline from the White Sox. We gave them Jake Diekman, so one of the rare bloom slam dunk trades so far. And um, he's kind of continued that this season, uh, in a small sample size, but more and more, he's a guy I want in a big moment. And he doesn't, he doesn't swing for the fences. He just, he does just enough to to get the job done, to do exactly what needs to get done. And I, I love that. And Christian Vasquez, we saw him all weekend long and he's off to a great start hitting, you know, 325, uh, you know, with an exactly a 400 uh, OBP. But it's still it's still nice to to be able to continue having some production uh, out of uh, the catcher spot. And McGuire only one home run, I believe. Let's see. Uh, Nope. No home runs. My bad. I thought he hit one. But uh, still hitting four oh six uh, with a four twenty five OBP, so very robust, uh, you know, as far as contact hitting, and um, love to see it. Andrew, what do you got? Yeah.
1: So without looking right now, Reese McGuire has played forty eight games with the Red Sox. You guys, have any guesses what his uh, batting averages in that stretch?
2: It's probably three seventy ish. I would say. 285-ish around there. 354.
1: Okay. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Obviously, small sample size, unless you're, you know, COVID season 2020, but he's been exactly what they've needed. And the fact that they got, you know, him, and I, I feel almost feel bad for the White Sox that they, you know, they're still saddled with Jake Diekman, who every time I turn on MLB like big inning, it's a team having a big big inning against him. Um They also got a prospect too, which is hilarious, but yeah, he's been exactly what they need. He's not trying to pull the ball. He just goes with the pitch every single time. He just dumps it into shallow left. No one's there. And it works out great. He, his, you know, I was on the catchers. It was probably after our Pittsburgh series and maybe it was after Baltimore. This is the first one we've won a game when we bought it. So they all kind of blend together, but we were on the catchers pretty hard about, you know, they haven't thrown anyone out. And I don't know if McGuire had any opportunities this series, but if you go back to, I think, believe it was Monday, Otani tried to steal or Maybe it was Sunday, gunned him down. And Otani's as fast as anyone in the league. So he's been impressive, uh, behind the plate at the plate, giving him everything they need. Obviously, you know, it's getting even out eventually, but even if he's half of what he's given us right now, it's still, uh, an above-average catcher.
0: Yeah, don't look now, but the Red Sox catchers are finally starting to throw guys out. It's nice, given how the season started. And, yeah, I agree with you guys about McGuire. Like, is he ever going to be a big power guy? No. Um, But that's okay. He's hitting ninth in your order. You don't need him to hit 15, 20 home runs. If he hits 7 to 10 home runs, but he's hitting, you know, upper 280s, 300, and he's getting on base, and he's solid defensively, that's all you've ever needed out of the catcher position. You don't need to go out and pay buckets of money for a, uh, will, you know, a William Contreras or something like that. It's, you know, if you can get Reese McGuire, the way they got him, which is, you know, dumping Jake Diekman, getting a prospect back. And this guy can start a bulk of your games behind the plate and give you good production. That's exactly what you want. So it's, it's nice to see him contributing. Um, I know that, you know, there's, a little bit of debate about who should be the second catcher, whether it's Wong. I, a lot of people are calling for Alfaro to c- get called back up because he's off to a hot start in AAA. But I don't think it really matters with the way M- McGuire going. It doesn't really matter who the second catcher is because McGuire, I think, is going to get a majority of the time anyway. Um, so it's a good problem to have when you, you almost have, in a way, too many catchers to handle. But it's clearly McGuire's job and he's taking full advantage of it.
2: A, a good test for him will actually be we got Milwaukee coming up, but then we got Baltimore who stole 10 bases on him. So we'll see if he's able to hold those base runners uh, a little bit better. But the pitch clock may have worked against him. Uh, you know, if if pitchers are waiting until the last second or two uh, as the clock counts down, the runners can kind of get a jump on, on him. And so we'll, we'll see what kind of adjustments they made, but if he can, you know, if he can gun down one out of four base runners, I mean, that's probably above average, I'm assuming. And, uh, you know, we would certainly take that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Baltimore will be a tough test for him. Cleveland too. Cleveland's coming up and they've got some speed as well. Um, and the brewers have this guy called Garrett Mitchell, who's a speed demon and one of the best prospects in baseball. So, he, he will be tested. It'll be interesting to see. Um, number three on the list. Andrew, what do we got at number 3
1: I'm going with a guy that I think a lot of people have given up on, and that's Jaron Duran. Looks like a completely different ball player. Um, you know, he still doesn't look 100% back to, or. You know, comfortable in center, but you can tell he's really worked on his craft. But at the plate, he looks like a whole new ball player. Uh, His swing is so much better. He's staying back on everything. Today, he was hitting just frozen ropes everywhere. Unfortunately for Kenta Maeda, one of those was 112 off the bat, right to his shin, and that was the only thing that saved it from not being an easy single. But if you look at his uh, exit velocities today, he had the 111.6 – that I just talked about 106.2 and 104.1. Those are all solid contact. And those last two ones were hit to the deepest part of Fenway. Uh, They went right to the wall. So if this is the Jaron Duran that, you know, he finally came around like what we see right now happening in Seattle with uh, Kellenic, I don't know how you take him out of the lineup. You found a guy, I mean – you can Tapia has got no more you know, use for this squad. I don't know if there's going to be a team that's going to be looking for an outfielder, but if this is the Jaron Duran that we've all been waiting for and kind of knew who he could be, if it all clicked, this is a weapon, and th- he adds a whole new element to what this Red Sox lineup has.
0: Terry, your thoughts on Duran?
2: I'm still a skeptic on Duran. It, it is fun to see, and... If you can get one of your prospects to, to pan out and, you know, hit the ball at a decent clip, draw some walks and, you know, just at least be league average, you know, where he's kind of your third outfielder, uh, you would take that. So I, I want to see it, you know, over the course of several weeks. Uh, you know, we still have a he's another lefty in uh, you know, a 26 man roster that's just chock full of lefties. So there's some issues in terms of fit. You know, if we're facing a a right handed pitcher, you could have three lefty outfielders if you want to, you know, Verdugo's not going to be sitting and hopefully at 18 million a year, um, Masataki Yoshida won't be sitting. So, um, but you know, if it, if it pans out, And and Duran finally has a breakout season. That's a very affordable outfielder you're going to have for the next handful of years. And he can help you win, uh, you know, on the base pass. You know, he can go first to home, uh, you know, real fast. He can steal a bag. I think he did. uh, It might have been the first game of the series. The pitcher used his two pickoff attempts. So, you know, he was going to automatically get the bag. And, uh, he ultimately did that. Don't quote me on that. Cause that could have been the tail end of the angel series, but, but you know, he's, he's got a lot of tools that can help you win if he can just find the consistency.
0: Yeah. Jaron Duran continues to be, uh, one of the most polarizing players on this roster because, um, at times he, you know, especially towards the end of last year, we saw him just make some real bonehead plays and. Um, then there was, you know, some of his comments to the media that didn't come off so great after the inside the park home run, all that stuff. Um, you know, the Red Sox in the off season went out and signed a center fielder. So I think even they were unsure about him. Um, but injuries happen. He gets an opportunity and now he comes up here and he's mashing and he's hitting the ball hard. And, you know, we talked about it before we came on the air. A lot of the balls, the Red Sox hit this series. If this was July, they're going out of the park. I mean, I think Duran, some of the ones he hit today in July would have been out of the park um, because he was absolutely crushing it. So just ask Kenta Maeda uh, how hard he was hitting it because holy crap. Um, So, he, I mean, this this talent is there. The talent's absolutely there offensively. We know he's got speed. Um, Defensively, I think he's still a bit of a question mark. I know that he's looked a little bit better at times, but I still don't think he reads the ball all that great off the bat which as an outfielder is kind of a huge problem. Um, But, you know, he's, he's still developing. He's still getting there. And look, if he's going to come up and seize the opportunity, then keep giving it to him. Because as, as far as the, the lineup being too lefty heavy, I've, you know, I've sort of grown to not care about that as much. It hurts you when it comes to bullpen situations. If you're in a tight game and you've got four lefties in a row and, You know, the opposing team has a real shutdown left-hander in their bullpen. Fine. Then it's a problem. But if you look at the Red Sox next eight games, only one of them is, I guess, a left-handed starting pitcher. And that's Wade Miley. All the others are right-handers. So it's not the worst thing to have a lineup that's lefty heavy. It's almost worse to have a lineup that's righty heavy. um, Because there's a lot more right-handed pitchers in their way right now in terms of starters. Like I said, in the bullpen, it could be a problem, but... I don't consider it a huge problem against, you know, when you're looking at starting pitching matchups. So if Duran keeps hitting, then p- please, Cora, please keep putting him in there. Don't do this. I need to have, you know, righty-lefty, righty-lefty. Let me put Rob Ruff Snyder in against a right-handed pitcher. That's just – don't do that. Put the best lineup out there. Put the guys out there who are mashing. And right now, Duran is doing that. So I hope he still gets an opportunity and that Cora doesn't overthink it too much because – yeah, being lefty heavy, like I said, later on, later innings against a tough left-hander out of the bullpen, maybe it's tough then, but for the first half of the game, you should have an advantage. So I have no problem with it. I hope they keep playing them. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on Duran?
2: Well, another thing to think of here is teams can manipulate their their rosters to get lefties up if they want to. Uh, you know, we've seen the Rays do it with us, and, you know, I just, ideally, I would just like to see a little bit more balance, but I don't see that happening at any point this year, really. Even Valdez, I mean, he came up was another lefty.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if you look late July, ideally, they're getting two thumpers from the right side back.
2: If we're still in it, I guess, yeah, that, that will would... well, come
1: back no matter what, but. Right, I think it's got to stay around 500. The division Tampa should, unless you know their plane crashes, should be able to carry that 13-0 start to a formidable lead all year. But as long as you know you stay within 500, right now, it's kind of what it looks like league wide, parity wise, unless something really balances out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So. And, like you said, Andrew, we got two right handers that are waiting in the wings. So, um, lineup should have a lot more balance in a couple of months. Um, Coming in in the number two spot on the list tonight, I'm going to go with Chris Sale, who delivered his best start of the year so far six innings, 11 Ks, through 94 pitches, 63 of them for strikes. Uh, He was on it. He he was on it. Um, You know, unfortunately, couldn't get him the win, but. Team still ended up winning the game. Um, he was just—he looked a lot better. And at this point, it, you know, I think I said it early on with Chris Sale. You just—you just have to ride it out. It's not—it's all you can do. You can't trade him. Nobody wants the contract. Um, I don't think you can DFA slash release him because I think that you would screw up your clubhouse a little too much. Even as you know, I know fans are iffy on Chris Sale, but I think that clubhouse really likes him. So I wouldn't want to do anything like that. I don't think you can stick him in the bullpen. I think it'd be too much of a distraction. So for him to be able to go out, give you six innings, strike out 11 batters, only give up one run, that's ace-like stuff. Now, is he going to do that every time out? Probably not. Okay, Minnesota has a very inconsistent offense right now. Carlos Correa is off to a slow start right now. So he kind of caught the Twins at a good time. There's a good chance that his next start – Whoever it's against, I believe he's not starting again till the
2: Baltimore. end of the Brewer series. Does he get Milwaukee? Uh, he does not get Milwaukee. Okay, no. so he gets Cleveland. So that's uh, a. Is that Cleveland? I thought it was Baltimore.
0: Oh, I Baltimore first. Yeah, I
2: think it's Baltimore.
0: So it's Baltimore. Okay, so we'll see what happens. That's there, the big <laughs>
2: test. That's the big test. If he can you know, if he can command it better than he did and mix his pitches, so they're not slapping him around, then I would have to change my tune big time, you know, versus the last few weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he will have a, a, a big test coming up. So we'll see what happens. It, you know, it could with Chris sale. You never know. He could deliver that same kind of performance against Baltimore, or he could get his lips ripped off and only last two winnings. I have no idea, but for right now, He gave you what you needed this week. So hat on the back to him. It's great to see, Um, you know, if if it's the start of him kind of getting it and getting back into the groove, all the better. So Terry, any other thoughts on, on sale?
2: I mean, I I had his career in the morgue wearing a toe tag, uh, you know, a couple shows ago and he comes out and he strikes out 11, like you said. And uh, as you basically pointed out, the, twins were the number 28th ranked offense and they looked like it i mean they were swinging at everything and they just they just weren't they didn't do their homework like we've seen some other teams do and you know the tigers was kind of a cupcake start you know a a similarly bad offense for him uh, another al central team so you know it was nice to see you don't win the series without Chris sales, you know, best start of the year, basically. Um, but the test for me is Baltimore go that, that is a murderous lineup right now. And they're 11 and seven. They're second in the division. I think some of us are going to have egg on our face for not even considering them to be in the wildcard race. Um, and it, it's just a very robust offense. So, if he can, if he can turn the tables and and get ahead of them, you know, in the next, I think he starts four games from now, uh, then maybe he's back, or or maybe he's the next chapter of his career is underway, where you know he is going to kind of reinvent himself a little bit, and. You know, we'll see. And the, the other nice thing was he was gritty on the mound, like his demeanor. He, he looked intense. We haven't seen that intensity in literally years, you know? So if that comes back and it just kind of everything kind of plays into it, and, you know, that'd be good. So, Andrew?
1: Yeah, you know, the location and command is usually the last thing that comes back. And, Hopefully this is the start of that because that's what was missing. He had the worst command in the league, essentially. So, if that's coming back to what it used to be, or even eighty percent of what it used to be, he's a serviceable, you know, number three at that. You know, best case scenario, not over wishing here. The Baltimore star will be big. That's going to be a litmus test. Honestly, I'm kind of glad it's in Baltimore. They got that extremely deep left field. Uh, we've seen him give up a couple that. Probably may not have left everywhere but Fenway over the monster, but hopefully the uh, the outfield, the vast outfield gives him a little more room for error because I want to see him last at least five innings and just air it out against the divisional opponent. But it was it was very encouraging to see.
0: Awesome, and another starting pitcher is going to round out our list here, coming in at number one. So, Terry, who do we got?
2: That is going to be Tanner Houck, who, uh, has been off to a pretty good start because he had one of the worst spring trainings of anyone on the Red Sox pitching staff trying to get his overall numbers up here. Um, but today he, and this was the game I thought we would win by the way, um, he wasn't there. There was traffic on the bases here and there. Uh, he only walked one, but you know, gave up a, you know a few contact hits, and um, he six contact hits, and was basically mi- mixing his pitches pretty well, and looked like a guy that was very much in control. You know, throughout the start, never really got into serious trouble, and. All winter long, I expect. Uh, excuse me. I expressed optimism that he is a starting pitcher. I just feel like he's got the makeup of somebody that can do it, and not only do it, but do it at Fenway. You know, I, I all the time I, I talk about his composure on the mound. He just does not rattle. And today, you know, more of the same of that, and. Um, It's extremely encouraging, and I don't see how you take away his spot in the rotation, and and even giving it to a guy like Cutter Crawford. I just I don't see how you can do that right now. Um, He's got a four twenty nine ERA that doesn't look super great. You know, he's only had really one bad start. His uh, start against the Angels, not super great, because that only lasted four innings, gave up a couple of runs. But he's a guy I definitely want to take the ball every fifth day. And um, who knows what the ceiling is for him, you know, because he, he might not even be close to it. Andrew?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm still – or was still kind of a Tanner How probably should be in the bullpen – um, supporter or believer. Uh, I think if we're going to use, you know, the Chris Sale face the down offense argument. I think we got to use it a little bit today too for Tanner Houck and not get excited until we see it against a Toronto in New York because that's you know those are the teams that are going to give him hell um, second and third time through lineups. Maybe not Carlos Correa, Joey Gallo, and Max Kepler. But yeah, this, this, he gave them exactly what they needed. I thought he pitched better than his line was. I think, you know, that last home run kind of put a little bit of a blemish on there, but seven innings, three runs, exactly what they needed today. They've been taxed in the bullpen pretty heavily. So as long as he rolls these out and I don't expect seven every time, I'll tell you that much, uh, then you know, he's got a lot higher ceiling than I kind of believed. But again, I, I do want to see this against some alias opponents before we solidify his spot.
0: Yeah, I hate to be a dash of cold water on, on Tanner Houck's performance because it was phenomenal. He he pitched his ass off uh, in that afternoon game. But I still think he's better off in the bullpen. And I, I'm sort of going to use Andrew's logic about we talked about it on the last midweek show about Garrett Whitlock, right? Are you sold on Whitlock yet as a starter or reliever? And Andrew said, "Give me ten starts. Let's 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 do ten starts and let's see where we're at." I think that's kind of where I am with Tanner Houck. I'm not ready to declare him a starter for life after you know this performance, but I'm also not gonna just you know die on the hill of he has to go to the bullpen and I won't be satisfied until he's in the bullpen. Give me ten, maybe twelve starts if he's still going like this. If he's giving you six innings, maybe a few more every now and then, and he's shutting guys down and he's striking batters out left and right, and he's you know giving you quality starts every time, then sure, yeah, he belongs in the rotation and he'll have proved it. But you know, same again with what we talked about with Chris Sale—he might go out his next time out and get destroyed. We just you just don't know right now because it's it's an up and down schedule and. Every team that you're facing is going through something a little different. Minnesota right now, their offense was very cold in this series, so I think that helped him. Um, if you know, by the time he pitches again, he may run into an, an offense that's on fire. So it's it's really just up and down this time of year. So I'm impressed with Hulk. He looked great, but I'm not ready to declare one way or the other. I still deep down, I think want him in the bullpen, but let's see. Let's see after. 10 or 12 starts, and I'll make my determination then. But for right now, this week, he gave you exactly what you wanted. Um, Just a a dominant performance to close out the series. And, you know, for a guy who I've always been unsure about his motivation level, he's been proving so far that he wants that starter's role. And honestly, with uh, the updates we're getting on guys like Paxton and stuff like that, he may just keep it because uh, I don't think there's any more firepower coming his way. So good performance from him, and uh, hopefully he can repeat it because that's really what it comes down to. If you want to be a starter in this league, you've got to have repeatable good performances. You can't just go out there once every five starts and, and be great. You've got to be able to repeat it. So hopefully he does that. Any final thoughts on how?
2: Yeah, so like – at this point, given the sample sizes, w- would you rather have Hauk or Sale on a random start?
0: I would still prefer Sale. Really? Only, okay. only because of the track record. Yeah, I, I go track record on that one. I just, okay, I, yeah, I, I, and generally, I agree with what you've always said about Hauk. That like he doesn't tend to get rattled. I think that he's mentally tough enough to be a starter. But I just in a in a big game that kind of thing I, I would still go sale I think
2: I still lean Hauk just because sales been it's been from one extreme to the other he's been either really good or really bad and you know Hauk has been somewhat consistent since you know his first start so that that's just kind of where where I prefer but I think we would all prefer to see Hauk over a guy like Kluber at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. If, if that's the choice, that's an easy one.
2: Right. Yeah, and then up. from there, you've got Nick Pavetta and, you know, Pavetta's up and down and we'll talk about him in a little bit in the preview, but he, he is coming off of a start in which he walked three, gave up six runs and he tends to be, you know, streaky, I guess, you know, he usually has a few bad starts before he turns it around and, you know, he'll have maybe five or six good ones and, it's just a relentless cycle, and and that's another guy that I personally would still prefer to see Hauk start over. Um, but so it's I can I can I could probably get Hauk pretty easily into you know the five slot, let's say, of the the current cast of guys that we do have.
0: Well, it's true. I mean, it, you know, if Kluber keeps going the way he's going, and Pavetta, you know, really does drop off the cliff, then the decision may be taken out of their hands. You may have to just say Tanner Hauk's a starter now because we can't afford to send him to the pen because then we won't have five guys to roll out there. So it's it's a fair point that you know if guys like that, like Kluber and Paxton, still can't stay on the mound, then they may not have a choice. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes as the season goes on. Before we get to the series matchup against Milwaukee, There may be a guy that some of you are wondering, why wasn't he on our top five? Don't worry. We did not forget about Alex Verdugo. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Uh, We are going to get into Alex Verdugo a little bit more on Saturday's episode. So that's our roundtable episode that's going to come out on Saturday. Uh, We decided to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Verdugo, not just as he is right now, but his future with the team, because obviously he's off to a great start. And he's been a big part of the success early on. So we didn't forget about him. Just stay put, stay patient, wait for uh, that Saturday episode, and we'll get into Alex Verdugo a little bit more on that one.
2: Was his walk-off, because there was a lot of confusion because of how it landed, was that a more exciting win than Adam Duvall's in Game 2? Ooh. Uh, You just needed it so bad.
0: I think Duvall's was more exciting because you knew right away it was a home run.
2: Like, you
0: could could tell it hit that ledge and the light show went off and he was already into his home run trot. They didn't have to, like... With Verdugo's, it was weird because the lights started going, but then they stopped because they had to review it and the players are just standing on the field awkwardly kind of waiting for it. And, like, we all knew at home, but it took, I don't know, took the league office an extra 10 minutes for some reason to figure out that the ball hit on the other side of the line. So I'll go Duvall's on that one.
1: Yeah. And the reviews always kill. It's like in the NFL when you think you scored a game winning touchdown, but you know you got a commercial and like 39 camera angles to look at. So it, it for that, for me, it kind of just. It, takes a little bit away and then Duval one was so ridiculous because you know he had an absurd game going in and then McKenna botches one in left field you're like no way and then it just happens so I'm going with that
2: I mean I can't fault either way but Verdugo's was you know following a crazy game with some crazy circumstances you know, the Kike getting to first as we covered after he struck out. Vasquez loses the ball and um, then you're down by two runs all of a sudden because Schreiber just couldn't lock it down. And then McGuire gets you back in it. I, I think the, the craziness and the replays just it was just a fitting end to a crazy game, you know, and it's more of a unique story. I mean, we've never had to review that situation before. Um, at least in that corner uh, of the outfield. So um, that's why I raised the question, but it was uh, it, it was an intense game for sure.
0: Yeah, and Verdugo's uh, post-game comments certainly made it uh, a pretty entertaining one too. Two so.
2: F-bombs, yeah.
0: <laughs> yep, got to love that. All the Nesson executives just cringing at that one.
2: It's $10,000, I think, for each one, so... It would be interesting to see who pays it if uh, the FCC actually levies those fines. Yeah. Well, if they
0: take Verdugo to arbitration again, they'll bring that up, I'm sure.
2: (laughs) Probably.
0: (laughs) Use it against him. Uh, So let's get into the Milwaukee series. Red Sox are on the road this weekend. They're in Milwaukee. So a couple of 8 o'clock starts, uh, including Game 1, which will be Friday night, Nick Pavetta against Freddie Peralta. Uh, Terry, who do you like in that
2: one? Uh, Just a couple of notes before uh, I rattle off the picks. Um, The Brewers are the number sixth ranked team right now. They have the sixth best offense against right-handed pitching, and we're trotting out three righties. Uh, They have the second best rotation overall in MLB, only behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And they're hot right now. They took three out of four in San Diego and then swept the Mariners in Seattle. So we're probably catching them at the wrong time. Having said that, I uh, kind of tipped my hand a minute ago when I was talking about Pavetta, he is coming off of a bad start. Um, six earned runs. The, the three walks are concerning as well. Cause that that tells you he's not only pitching against the guy in the batter's box, he's pitching against himself. You know, he's he's a bit of a head case. In other words, uh, Peralta um, off to a, a pretty decent start, and uh, he's going to be facing a very lefty-heavy lineup. Lefties are batting uh, exactly two hundred against him right now. So I'm going to take I'm going to take the Brewers in Game One. Andrew, who do you got?
1: Yeah, for some reason, I don't honestly fear the um, Brewers lineup as much as their numbers have kind of shown throughout the season. I don't think the Padres pitching is that great. So I think God helped him out there. Um, I think the Red Sox can be patient against Peralta. Sorry, he walked in decent amount of people so far this season so if they can work the at-bats and really kind of wear them down from the left side I think the Red Sox have a really good chance at this one I think going on the road is good for this team um, so I think they do take game one
0: yeah this one was a toss-up for me I, this was a tough one to pick but I'm gonna go with Milwaukee I just think Peralta is the better pitcher and I think that's what it's gonna come down to he, he's gonna out Nick Bavetta. Um, Pavetta is a complete coin toss. you don't know what you're gonna get out of him. but I just the Red Sox offense has been a lot better. They scored a lot of runs this series, but I don't think they're all the way there yet and I think a guy like Peralta can really throw them off balance and uh, make it difficult for them. so um, I think it'll be a close game but i'll I'll go Milwaukee in game one as well. Uh, game two that'll be on Saturday that's a seven o'clock start on Saturday. We got Garrett Whitlock for the Red Sox against our old friend Wade Miley for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, Andrew, what do you think
1: of that one? So, for that one, I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't honestly know what to make of Wade Miley. I don't think anyone knows what to make of Wade Miley. It doesn't make sense. So, I think for this one, I really, I hated this game. I'm picking Milwaukee. I think it's going to be low scoring. Don't think it makes any sense. 4-2 Milwaukee.
2: Terry. I think that's a good assessment. Um, at least that's what we're hoping because this is a big test for uh Garrett Whitlock. And Rowdy Tales and Willie Adamas right now are just destroying right-handed pitching. You know, they're crushing balls, they're you know, they're you know, their averages are high, their on base is high. Uh, Brian Anderson, Luke Voit are are hitting you know for good contact uh, against right-handed pitching, so those are a few guys to look out for. Uh, but I'm gonna lean towards Milwaukee uh, in this one as well. Um, lefties again, um, you know they're they're hitting 211 against uh, Miley, so those are your your heavier hitters. If Kike stays hot, you know maybe you know maybe he can contribute quite a bit but um I, I certainly don't think ref Snyder Chang are gonna are gonna be big factors here and um I just think Miley in Milwaukee is just uh it, it's just a comfortable place for him and um I'm I give the edge to the Brewers
1: yeah i
0: I don't know what to make of way miley either um it, it's so weird to me that he's still still pitching at all, and then pitching really well to boot. Um, I'm going to pick the Red Sox with this one. I just think Whitlock is going to double up on his last good performance. I think he's kind of feeling it now. I think he feels healthy again. He feels strong. So I think he's going to deliver a really good pitching performance. It probably will be a low-scoring game. I don't think the Red Sox will really pull away until they get Miley out of the game somehow. Um, But I do think they can get to Milwaukee's bullpen put up a couple of extra runs. And I don't think Whitlock's going to go seven innings or anything, but I think he'd give him five or six of really good, you know, potentially shutout pitching. And I think the Red Sox offense will score enough to keep him in it, and, uh, they should be able to pull away later on. So Real I'll take Boston
2: quick before we move on. Cause I, I did mean to uh, mention it. His last start seven innings scoreless against the, uh, Padres who are pretty robust offensively. Uh, And then uh, six innings scoreless against the Mets uh, in his first start. The only uh, team to put up some runs on him was the Diamondbacks, just three runs over five innings. So um, he's been impressive and, you know, maybe pitching above his head as you guys are are alluding to. But, you know, he's been pretty solid overall for the last several years. Three and a half million dollars, too. That's That's all it costs to get the services of Wade Miley.
0: Yeah, not bad. Like I said, they may have to chase him from the game, either just get his pitch count up or something, get to that Milwaukee bullpen, and maybe they can pull it out from there. Uh, Game three, that's at 210 on Sunday, and we'll get Brian Bayo versus Corbin Burns. So, Terry, who do you got in that one?
2: You got to go with Burns in this one. Um, Yeah. I keep giving the lefty batting averages here because, le- unlike you guys, it's it's a it's a major thing for me. Uh, you know, having too many of them, and lefties are hitting one twenty-two against Corbin Burns, so he is a lefty assassin uh, on the mound. And um, if Bayo can give you five innings with only three runs, I mean, that's a huge win, regardless of what the end result would be because he he didn't look good uh, last time out you know got slapped around and um, I expect Burns to be um, pretty pretty solid he he gave up his ERA 476 he got tagged for uh, six runs I forget who that was against but that that's basically inflated his earned run average and uh, he's otherwise pitched very well so uh, I don't think this uh, lineup is going to be able to do a whole lot with him. So, I uh, much like the Ray series. I feel like they're very similar. Um, I at least as far as pitching, um, I got the uh, the, the Brewers sweeping this one in Milwaukee. Andrew,
1: yeah, Burns hasn't been untouchable this year. The opponent that put it six up on him was the Mets, but. Okay. I really don't think the Mets are that great offensively either. Seattle will hit him for four. The one opportunity is that pec strain that caused him to leave early a few days ago. So we don't know if he's 100%. Burns says he feels fine, that he feels no uh, ill effects of it. But for me, it's the Bayo factor. He's going to be good. I just think, like Sale, when you're coming back, uh, command, can take a little bit. That's what we saw last week. I think um, I think it's going to take a few starts for him to really find a groove uh, facing major league hitters. So, for that reason, I'm taking Milwaukee in this.
0: Yeah, I think I got to go Milwaukee with this one too. Um, I know Burns. You know, he, he's given up a few runs in, in some of his starts this year, but he's still Corbin Burns, and I don't think Brian Bale is going to be nearly as bad as he was uh, in his first start back. That was uh, that turned into a disaster pretty quickly. I think he will kind of bounce back a little bit, but I just think Corbin Burns is is going to be too gross and he's going to be too much for that Red Sox lineup. And hopefully he pitches really well because he's putting on an audition for a team that he would like to trade for him. Um, so maybe he really dishes out as part of that too because we all know he wants out of Milwaukee as soon as possible. Um, so he's, I, I got to go Milwaukee with that one too. He's
2: a free agent next year. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That's so, I let me look that up real quick. It's um, got one year left, I think. Bad radio here, too much. Uh,
0: but either way, Milwaukee pissed him off with
2: the way they handled
0: the arbitration thing. So,
2: okay, so he does have one more year. Man, I was okay. going to say. For the anti-Bloom crowd, you know, you would expect the next guy would have him uh, on the short list um, if he, in fact, was a free agent this year. But, uh, yeah, I want to point out one other thing, too. The, The Red Sox didn't make a lot of mistakes at Fenway, and they capitalized on a lot of mistakes. And I think... Playing at Fenway kind of aided in that. It was kind of a hostile atmosphere. And I think when you're losing and, and you're, you know, our record isn't super great, but we're clawing our way back into games, that's creating a, an even more hostile atmosphere. So it'll be interesting to see how this, uh, you know, this road trip goes in terms of that. Cause um, I, I just don't know if they're going to have the same mojo and the same breaks you know in in opposing stadiums so we'll see but it's a big test it's a big test if if you can steal you guys have them each winning at least one game if they can steal one more beyond that that's a a, an extremely successful series and I have no idea who we're going to be facing uh you know in Baltimore I, I don't know if we get Rodriguez uh you know on that trip or not but You know, if you can come back and be, you know, a few games above 500, that's that's massive.
0: Yeah, definitely a a tough test um, with those opposing pitchers on the other side. So unfortunately, Red Sox running into Milwaukee's three best starters um, coming off of this week. So hopefully the bats are ready. Hopefully they they bring their bats to Milwaukee and they're ready to go because they're going to need them. So any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: I'm interested to see how many at bats Jared Duran gets. <clears throat> if he gets two starts, if he gets at least eight at bats, I think we're going to see uh, a shift to him becoming an everyday center fielder for this team.
0: Yeah, hopefully he gets uh, some good opportunities and continues to hit because they could use that right now. They could use any sort of catalyst. So, on that note, uh, we will wrap it up there. So, like I said, keep an eye out for that Saturday episode. That's going to be our round table the bastards round table episode we will talk a little alex verdugo there so if you were missing him this episode don't worry we got you covered uh and then beyond that the weekend crew will be back with you guys monday they'll be talking about the milwaukee series after that so everyone have a good weekend and we will talk to you soon take care